You are now tuned in to the Students of the Bible broadcast with your host, Brother Kevin Keeter. So let's grab our Bibles and take a new look in the old book. John chapter 9 and verse number 18. The Bible says, But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he is of age. Ask him. Verse 24. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. I want us to notice the phrase in verse number 25. One thing I know. One thing I know. This man had a life-changing experience. He didn't know a lot of things, but he didn't know one thing. And tonight, I hope you know that one thing. I want to speak on that thought, one thing I know. I want to draw our attention back to verse number one of this same chapter. The Bible says, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. This is quite a significant story for a couple of reasons. Not only was it going to be a miracle, but it was a fulfillment of Scripture. You go back to the book of Isaiah, and you go to Isaiah chapter 35 and verse number 5, you see that Jesus is going to be coming as the Messiah, and he's going to be healing the lame. He's going to cause the deaf, he's, uh, the deaf to speak to hear. He's going to cause uh, men to walk that never were able to walk before. He was going to open blinded eyes. Everything that Jesus promised that he was going to do and prophesied over 500 plus years ago in the Old Testament he fulfilled every single promise. The reason he could do that is because of his deity. He proved himself to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come now into one of the prophecies being fulfilled that he's coming to meet with a blind man that was blind from his birth. Now this man has never seen his mother's face. This man has never seen his father's face. He has never seen a tree. He has never seen a dog. He has never seen anything. He's been born blind. What a sad situation. But this man, as we learn later in verse 25, he knew one thing. One thing I know. Now there are many things we know that are absolute. But there are also many things that we are very unsure of. But I hope tonight, one thing we know is that we have been born again. I hope that tonight that you will have complete assurance in knowing that you are going to heaven. I don't want to have any doubt in my mind. I don't want you to have any doubt in your mind. Because as long as there's doubt in your mind then you will never live in peace. You will never live in joy. You will never live in victory that you can have only by the Lord Jesus Christ. So tonight, I want to know. I want to have this settled. I hope you want to have this settled if it's not already 
settled. On the banks of the Caddo Lake near Louisiana is a little village known as Uncertain. Imagine how confusing, though, it must be when a resident from this village known as Uncertain, when he goes and visits another place. I want you to picture with me for a moment, if this man was to go maybe here to Greenville and you were to go and ask him a question, where are you from? And he responds, I'm from Uncertain. Well, you would probably ask the question, are you certain you don't know where you live? Are you really sure you're uncertain where you, you live? You'd be confused just as anybody would be. But this man probably would respond saying, yes, I'm certain that I live in uncertain. A lot of Christians are certain that they live in uncertain. But that should not be the case according to 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 13. The Bible says, These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You ought to know that you are going to heaven. But there's a lot of people, sadly, even in this area, there are sadly many that we knock on the doors. We've even had some recently come into our sanctuary that were uncertain if they were truly born again. So I believe this is a necessary topic for us to discuss tonight and look at what the Bible says about it. So tonight, let's take a new look in this precious old book. Beginning in verse number one again. And Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Notice with me tonight his situation, his situation. Notice the man's condition. He's blind. He's born blind. He's never seen a thing. He's been born into complete and utter darkness. Never seen the light of day. He's born into darkness. He's born with a disability. This man without the help of the aid of his parents or maybe a friend or uh, maybe somebody just compassionate enough, he couldn't get around and do the normal task. He couldn't have a job at the factory. He couldn't work in a garden. He, he couldn't do the basic task because he couldn't see. He was born with a disability. But notice with me in verse number two, the disciples' conclusion. The disciples asked him saying, Master, who did sin that this man or his parents that he was born blind. Jesus has now just come from chapter number eight where they're about to stone him. And Jesus has now come by and finds need that he needs to pass by a man that is blind. He notices and shows some compassion to him, but the disciples, without even knowing who he is, without even knowing anything about his background, began to make some judgment calls, began to assume some things about this blind man saying that he must be blind because his parents must have sinned. Or perhaps even himself, he sinned. And that's why he's blind. But may I say that tonight, it is wrong for you or me to prejudge an individual. This man, they have no right to be judging him by saying because of sin that he was born blind. There are many children today that are born with disabilities. There are many children that are born prematurely. There are many that uh, are caused in car accidents and things that we don't quite understand. We don't always understand why things happen in this life. I think of Dr. Harold B. Seitler and how he lost his daughter at a young age of about 12 years old named Carolyn Grace. She was involved in a car accident involving a drunk, but she was taken from Dr. Seitler. And there were many people that came to Dr. Seitler and began to say that there must be sin in his life. There must be some pride or some secret sin. that That's why God's showing his judgment upon Dr. Seitler and his family. That's why he took Carolyn Grace. Now that's a wrong judgment call. And you should not judge somebody because you do not know. Now may I say though in also that just because that that happens doesn't mean that it's not of God. Sometimes it is a sin situation. There are times that if, for example, if a woman is smoking while she's pregnant, what do you think is going to happen? 
If she's drinking while she's pregnant, what do you think's going to happen? If she's doing sinful things, or if a man is doing sinful things, there's natural results of a sinful life. That's going to happen. But in this case, these disciples, not necessarily the 12, but these men that were following Christ, they were just making some conclusions that saying he was born blind because his mother, or perhaps even his father, they sinned. Or maybe even himself, he sinned. And God's shown judgment on him, that's why he's blind. But notice, they're very wrong on that. Verse number three, Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents. So he answers their question immediately. It wasn't his parents that sinned, it wasn't him that sinned, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now he is constantly getting onto the disciples, even just a few chapters earlier, by using this title that he is the light of this world world. May I say, he wasn't just that 2,000 years ago. He's still the light of this world, even today in our generation. You see, we're living in a very dark society, a very sinful society, and our church needs to be a lighthouse of the Lord Jesus Christ, reaching out with this simple message that Jesus saves. He goes on in we find in verse number six, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay on this, of spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said unto him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is to be interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing him. Now, I want us to notice not only the man's condition, the disciples' conclusion, but the Savior's compassion. The Savior has passed by his way. He sees a need for this man. This man can't work. This man can't take care of himself. He's blind. But I'm so thankful that we serve a God who is very compassionate to people that have a need, that people that he knows can't take care of themselves. I'm so thankful that we serve a compassionate Savior. This Savior comes his way, and he does something quite really strange. He gets some clay. He spits in that clay. He puts it in this man's face, in his eyes, and tells him, go wash it off in the, in, there in the, the pool of Siloam. Now, he is given some directions, very simple directions. But that man must make a choice. He has an obligation to make a choice. Is he going to take the Savior at his word or not? I'm sure this man, as we're learned, has heard a lot of people say a lot of things to him. He's been a beggar, is what the Bible tells us. He was a beggar asking for anything that he could get. Any handouts he could get, he couldn't take care of himself. I'm sure his parents from a young age tried to take him to the doctors to see if there was any hope to help him, but he heard a lot of things that there was no hope. But now he's heard of some man by the name of Jesus. And this man, Jesus, gave him some clear directions, but they're kind of strange to get some clay and he just stows it in his eyes and he says, go wash it off. That's a little bit strange, isn't that? He has to make a choice though. Is he going to follow the Savior's word or not? If he's going to get help, he must follow the word. He must obey the word. May I say that tonight? that this is the same situation that every man must make. Every man has an obligation to make this choice if they are going to follow the word. Are they going to obey the word? You see, you can be raised in church. You can hear the gospel message preached over 500 billion times. But if you do not trust, if you do not obey the word, you will not get any healing. You will not get any help. You will never have any hope. Because if you do not take the word for what it says, you will die and go to a place called hell. You must accept the word as truth. This man had to make a choice. Was he going to obey the word or not? But I'm so thankful that he did. I'm so thankful 
that this man did. In verse number seven, it says, he did wash and he came seeing. He washed off the clay. He washed it off and for the very first time in his entire life, he was able to see the sky. He was able to see the clouds. He was able to see the trees. He was able to see his friends' faces. He was able to see his mother and his father's face. He wasn't just imagining something now. He was literally able to see. He has gone from darkness into light. And I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ did that in my life. I'm so thankful that when I took the Lord by his word and I obeyed it, I went from a life of darkness to a life of light. I'm thankful that it's different now. He changed my life. He made me into a new creature. I didn't see things like I did, or I see things differently now today than I used to see. I used to hate the church. Now I love the church. I used to hate the word of God. Now I love the word of God. You see, when the Lord Jesus Christ does something in your soul. When you obey his word, you're, there's going to be a change. There's going to be a difference. And this man got to see the power and the miracle of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as he now is the first time ever seeing everything. He's went from darkness into light. The Lord Jesus Christ clarifies the man's condition that he was born blind, not because of sin, but now he changes the man's condition. He was healed by obeying the Lord. He was healed by the mighty power of God. He was healed to the glory of the Savior. Now, if this man had been a skeptic, or if this man had denied the faith, then he would have never, ever been healed. There are many today, all throughout our county, all throughout this state, all throughout this country, and around the globe, that are skeptics. There are many that today deny the faith. We go out and knock on a door. We go out and pass out a gospel track. They say, I don't believe that nonsense. You don't have enough proof that that exists. They're skeptical. They deny the faith. And as long as they have that attitude, as long as you're a skeptic, as long as you deny the faith, you will never get help from the Savior. You must believe his word. Every man has an obligation to make the choice to follow and obey his word. Now notice with me verse number eight. The neighbors therefore, huh, isn't that funny, the neighbors now show up. Have you ever noticed after some life-changing experience comes into your life, people just start showing up and begin making some comments, start criticizing you just a little bit? Notice what the neighbors do. The neighbors therefore and they which before had seen him. So they've seen this man before. They've seen him begging for a change before. Look at it again. They which before had seen him that he was blind said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Notice with me the people's confusion. He had an unfamiliar face. They weren't even sure if it was him or not. Uh, he must not have been really of any importance to them. He was just some old beggar. If you've been downtown, you'll find many that are beggars, homeless. And if we're not careful, we won't be compassionate towards them. I understand that many could take advantage of us. Many may use cash and buy uh, just illegal things or things that are sinful or wicked. Uh, they may do so, but may we never have an attitude of not showing compassion to them, not paying any attention to them. You see, these neighbors, they had never paid attention, didn't even recognize if it was the same man or not, but now they want to know a little bit about him because there's something different about him. Something's changed in his life. But they're arguing. They're going back and forth. Is it him? Is it not? And finally, this man just got sick and tired of it. He said, well, guess what? I'm him. He answered for himself. He didn't know, need anybody else to answer. He answered for himself. You see, he's going to answer for himself quite a couple of times in this portion of Scripture. But you're going to notice that he's very consistent in what he tells them. Look at verse number uh, 10. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, A man. If you have a highlighter, a pen, or something, I'd encourage you to circle or highlight a man. 
He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash and went and washed and I received sight. He was obedient. This man, though he claims that Jesus was just a man, he lacked complete knowledge of who Jesus was. Keep in mind, he doesn't really know. He's never seen anything before until just now moments ago. He's heard maybe some things about Jesus. Maybe that's why he reached out to Jesus. But he didn't know who Jesus was. He thought he was just a man. There's a lot of people today that think Jesus was just some man or some martyr. But they don't see him as God. But this man, he lacked knowledge. He didn't understand. He didn't know. Nobody had taught him. He, had, he wasn't able to see Jesus. He was lacking some knowledge. But notice what they say in verse 12. Then they say they unto him, where is he? He said, I know not. Why would he know? He hadn't seen Jesus. It, Jesus had come to him. Jesus had healed him. But after his eyes were open, Jesus was gone. But may I say, just because Jesus left him, Jesus hadn't taken his eyes off of him. Jesus was still looking at him, still paying attention to him, still cared about him, but had disappeared for a little while. And we'll find him later in our story. But they're asking, where did this man go? Where did Jesus go? Uh, do you know where he went? He healed you, right? Where did he go? He says, I know not. Notice that word, no. I'm talking about tonight the one thing I know. Notice that's the key word throughout this chapter is no. Verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. That's a significant statement because Jesus was always breaking their Judaism or their judicial laws on the Sabbath. Now, I had mentioned on Sunday school that the Sabbath was a blessing given by God. It was a day of rest. But over a period of time throughout the Old Testament, the Jews had developed traditions and soon began those traditions into a law and now had made the Sabbath no longer a blessing, but they had become, made it a burden. And they were saying that Jesus Christ, because he healed this man, caused him to see for the very first time Jesus was a sinner. Jesus was breaking the law. He was not of God because he was going against the law. Jesus was doing no such thing. Jesus was going against man's law, but he wasn't going against God's law. I want us to notice these men, these Pharisees, showed no compassion to this man. This man has never seen before, has never had help before, but now he's able to see. He has sight. He's now able to go and get a job if he wanted to, they show no compassion. They show no joy to them. They're just mad because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Notice verse 15. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. And he said unto them, he put clay upon my eyes and I washed and do see. Notice he's now said his testimony twice. Been very consistent. Verse 16. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. Now this man, he had heard the word, he had obeyed the word, and he had received his sight. But now the Pharisees, they are attacking this man's faith. They're attacking him, saying that this man that has healed him is not God. And then he'll go, they'll go on to say that Jesus was even God's messenger. But then there's some division. This is common when you mention the name of Jesus. Every time you preach the gospel, any time you lift up the scriptures, any time that you stand for the word of God in this generation, there's always going to be division when it comes to the word of God. 
We're living in a day and hour where people are going against the word of God. There are people that are saying, like for example, this month being Pride Month and saying that this ought to be accepted. But by the word of God, it tells me that's an abomination. But you see, they, there's a division between the world and the church. And it's because of one man, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. Anytime you mention the Lord Jesus Christ, there will always be division because man cannot understand. You can't understand God, but you can put your faith in God and God can change your life around. These Pharisees, there was some division among them. Uh, there was division concerning the Lord. Some will accept him if he's God and some will reject him if he's not. There's some division. May I ask you tonight, do you know Jesus? Verse 17, they say unto the blind man again, they've come unto him again, what sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, he is a prophet. Now if you went encircled in verse 11, he called him a man. Now he's calling him a prophet. There's been some growth in his life. He's only been able to see for just a short period of time. He's already seen the miraculous healing of God's power in a short period of time. People are coming to him. His neighbors are against him. But yet, he's now called Jesus from being a man now to a prophet, being a messenger of God. And certainly, these Pharisees did not appreciate that at all. They attacked this man's faith. But they also attacked this man's family. Look at verse 18. But the Jews did not believe. They didn't want to believe that Jesus was a prophet. Because if he's a prophet, if he said who he said he was, if he was the Messiah, then man, they are in a mess. Uh, they've been leading people astray. They don't want to accept it. They do not believe in Jesus. There are some people with that same attitude today. They will not believe in Jesus. What a sad commentary. Because of some religion, perhaps. We've come across many that are in our area that are very religious. Uh, they may do all the laws. They may follow all of the traditions. But they do not believe the Savior. Young man, young lady, sir, ma'am, if you do not believe in Jesus Christ, if you, you will go to hell. You can wear a tie. You can wear a dress. You can never take the name of the Lord Christ's name in vain. You can come to church every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. You can go to every single revival meeting or tent meeting or camp meeting in this area. But if you have never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will die and you will go to hell. Do you know the Savior. Do you know this sent one? Do you know this man, the lovely name of Jesus? Do you know him? Do you know this prophet that was not just a prophet, but he was a high prophet? He was a man that not only was man, but he was 100% God. He was prophesying of things to come, and they will come one day. He was a prophet, and there are many today that hear and scoff at us because we believe that Jesus Christ is coming again. They don't believe us, but yet one day they will believe, but it'll be too late. It would be wise tonight for you to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. These Jews did not believe concerning him, that he has been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that have received his sight. Now, it's never good when you get, you have to call the parents about some trouble, maybe from camp or uh, maybe from some activity, you had to call uh, the parents. You know, that's never a good thing. But these Pharisees, they needed an answer. They needed to make sure that this man, Jesus, this prophet, Jesus, was not who he said he was. They needed to make sure that this blind man was not doing like some of the charismatics do today and acting like they were blind, but he was truly blind from his birth. They had to get the answers from the source, the parents. They go to the parents and they ask him saying in verse number 19, is this your son who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? 
We need to know. We need to know, was he born blind or was he not? Because if he was born blind, we're in a mess. But if he wasn't born blind, then we have nothing to worry about. You need to tell us. Verse 20, his parents answered them and said, we know not, this is our son. And that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him, and he shall speak for himself. This is a very sad commentary concerning these parents. They were, these Pharisees attacked the family of this man by questioning his birth and questioning his condition and questioning if this man ever had seen before, if he had been healed. Was it true? And these parents, these parents you would think that were so proud when their little boy was born but probably so devastated when he was, they found out he was blind. But yet they cherished him. They loved him with all of their heart. They took care of him the best that they possibly could. You would want to think that they would probably want to raise a hand and say, hallelujah, our son can see. He's like all the normal boys and girls. He can see. Uh, they, you would think that they want to tell everybody that Jesus had done something in his, their son's life but they don't. They don't even say anything. They say, go ask him. We're not going to answer your question. We know not. Now, that's a little bit weird to me for a couple of reasons. One of those reasons is simply, you would think they would have been close by their son. They probably saw Jesus when he came and threw that clay in his eyes. They probably saw when he was able to see, I'm sure the very first thing he did when he opened it, his eyes were open, I'm sure he turned and he looked at his mother. I'm sure he turned to look at his father. He wanted to figure out who everybody was, get a face for the voices he's heard all of his life. They probably saw this, but yet they rejected it. They didn't even want to say that their son had been healed. They said, go ask him. He, he's old enough. He can answer for himself. He doesn't need his parents. We're not going to answer. He can do it himself. What a sad commentary of some parents. What could have been an encouragement to this young man? This young man, his life's been changed upside down. They could have been an encouragement and say, yes, he has been healed. And we're right behind him. We're following the same one that he's speaking of, of this man, this prophet, this man named Jesus. He really is who he said he was. We're following our son. We're going to encourage him. And by God's grace, we also want to be an encouragement to people that have recently been born again. Because there's always going to be contention from the adversary coming their direction, trying to get them to doubt their salvation. You notice that the neighbors immediately came and started questioning him. Now his parents won't even stand up for him. May I say we ought to stand with our kids and stand with these new converts that come into our church. We ought to try to be an encouragement in any way we can. Do you not remember the moment that you came to know Christ, that joy, that peace, all that came into your life that very moment? But when you got back to the house, when you put your head in that pillow, you came to the church or the school the next day or you came out to the workplace the next day, there was some contention there. Uh, people began to question because they saw there was something different in your life. They didn't know how to explain it, but they knew there was something, so they started questioning things about you. They were like, man, what have you been doing? What were you doing last night? Is everything all right? And people can start to get some doubts. How many people I've heard and even spoken with at the radio station uh, that had made a profession of faith but had never accepted Christ? But I've also met many that were doubting their salvation that called the radio station. I had them give to me their testimony. And it was probably even better of a testimony than myself. It was a much clearer gospel presentation than some could even preach. But yet they were doubting their salvation because they had heard some preacher, some friend, maybe even a parent that had told them something different. And it was leading them to not knowing if they were saved, but doubting if they were saved. It's hard to stand for your faith when opposition comes. I heard of a story from a preacher that was preaching at a teen camp out west somewhere. 
He said he was preaching a great liberty from uh, people that were all the way from about uh, 12 years old all the way to about 18 years old, so a pretty good wide a variety of age groups in there. He preached a simple gospel presentation, and the secretary's nephew had come down and accepted Christ as his Savior. The preacher said that he shouted with joy and he shouted like we all ought to do when a sinner comes to know Christ. We ought to get excited. We ought not to say, well, good for them. No, we ought to say, glory to God. And he started to shout and rejoice over the fact, but nobody else did. The secretary actually began to cry. Not tears of joy, though. After the service, they went to the office and they had this young boy call his parents. He called his parents and made sure that it was not trouble. He wasn't in trouble or anything like that, but they allowed him to get the phone to be able to tell his parents that he had came to know Christ as Savior. He said, Mom, Dad, I got saved. I got born again. But short, he went silence. And that young boy there on the telephone began to say, Hello? Hello, you still there? Mom? Dad? Hello? They had hung up on him. After camp, they came back to the house where they dropped off this young boy at his home. And outside of that house was all of his belongings. Every picture of him and his family, he had been ripped out of. They were not Christians, but they were Muslims. They rejected their son. And this secretary had to raise him, but he stood his ground because he was born again. You see, there's always going to be opposition, and it's not always easy. It's not always easy. There are many people that have to leave a religion that they grew up in. We come across out on the visitation many that are Catholic. It's going to be very hard for some of them to come out of that. Many that are going to have to try to leave a, a denomination like that or Mormonism or some other form of religion, sometimes it's very hard because they know there's consequences that go with it. This man had already faced opposition from his neighbors, his friends, but now his parents won't even stand with him. Look with me now at verse number 22. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Here's the reason that they did not stand with their son. The Bible gives us the answer to all of our questions. And he gives it right there. Why they did not stand with their son? Because they were fearful. Fearful of being looked upon differently from society. Being cast out of the synagogue or maybe their denomination of their church. They feared that they would get a bad testimony or a bad reputation because their son had been healed by the Lord Jesus Christ. They knew if they had said something along the if they identified him with Christ, that they would be cast out. They rather deny their son than to be cast out of their religion. That's a sad commentary. So sad for that young man. Therefore said his parents, he is of age. Ask him. Verse 24. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. Now they are not saying that in the right spirit. The Pharisees were not saying, Well, let's have a hallelujah fit. They weren't saying that. They weren't trying to give glory to God. They were mocking God. They were blaspheming against God. They hated God. They mocked the Lord. They attacked the man's friend. They mocked the Lord. And they blasphemed against the Lord. But we come to verse 25, our text tonight. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know. That whereas I was blind, <laughs> whereas I was blind, now I see. The grace of God in full picture. Do you remember the day when you were blind? Not necessarily physically, but spiritually. This whole religious thing didn't make a lot of sense. The Bible didn't make a lot of sense. 
But the day you accepted Jesus Christ, your sight was made. You were able to see spiritually for the very first time. You read the Bible. It wasn't just black words on white paper anymore, but God's Holy Spirit illuminated it to you. And you saw the reality. You say, man, we're living in bad days. The news tells us so much bad things. I go downtown. I see so, how could people live like that? How could they be partic participated in such activities? How do they not see that it's wrong? They're blind. But thanks be unto God that God came to us out of his grace. He sent to us a preacher. He sent to us a witness. Somebody that gave us the gospel so that we could hear the gospel and we received the gospel and he made our eyes to see spiritually. People don't understand us because they're blind in darkness. But this man, he says, I don't know a lot of things, but one thing I know, whereas I was blind, now I see. Notice his surety. He knew he was blind, but now he knows he can say, he can see. Now I want to finish this chapter real quickly. Notice with me his solitude in verse 26. Then said they to him again, what did he to thee? How open he thine eyes. Again, they're asking him the question again. They're being very consistent, seeing if he'll budge or change his story. You ever recognize if you keep asking somebody the same question over and over again, that stuff changes over time? You can find out the truth pretty quickly if you do that. They kept asking. They, they want to know the truth. They want to say if, see if his testimony, if his story, is it solid? Is it consistent? He says in verse 27, he answered them, I have told you already. You did not hear. Y'all weren't listening. I've already told y'all. Why aren't y'all listening? I've already told y'all a couple of times. But wherefore would ye hear it again? Do you want me to tell you again? I'll be, I'll be glad to share it with you again. How he made from uh, how I was blind and now I can see. I'll share the testimony how he came and he spoke to me and he, he took some clay and he spittle and he put it in my eyes and I washed it off. I'll tell you that all over again. Do you want me to say it? But I think one of the greatest statements he says here, and you could tell this man was a young Christian. He was a young man. He was a novice. That's okay. It's okay to be a novice. He didn't know all his theological terms. He, he didn't understand the doctrine of justification. He didn't understand the sovereignty of Christ. He didn't know all those terms quite yet. But he did know one thing. He knew that he had went from blind to now he could see. But notice he says in this verse, and you know he just he didn't know what he was saying. You know some young men uh, and some young ladies when they get saved, they say some stuff that we we mature Christians would not say quite the same because we know better. We've been educated a little bit more. We've been in this church thing a little bit longer. We know not what to say, but this man didn't. He didn't know any better, so he just gives it right to him. He says, "Will you also be his disciples?" You know that rubbed them the wrong way. They didn't like that at all. Uh, that he, he said, y'all want to be his disciples too? They didn't like Jesus at all. They didn't believe Jesus at all. He's starting to preach to them a little bit. They didn't like that. That rubbed them the wrong way. Uh, but he said it because he was, he was a young man. He was newly converted. Verse 28, then they reviled him and said, thou art the, his disciple. But we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses as for this fellow. That's blasphemous. They just called Jesus a fellow. This fellow, we know not from whence he is. The Pharisees' attitude, they refer to Jesus as a fellow and they deny his deity. But yet this man stood where he stood, took a stand because he knew what Jesus had done in his life. May I say that today we also need to take a stand in this generation because we know what Jesus has done in our life. We're not going to let somebody steal the assurance of our salvation. We know that we know that we are, have been born again. That we know that our name has been written down in the book of life. That our name is recorded there in heaven. We know. Don't let somebody move you from that position. The neighbors were trying. The Pharisees were trying to do it with this man, but he wouldn't move. He just starts to preach at him a little bit. Look at it. Verse 30. The man answered and said unto them, Why herein is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. 
Y'all are some religious folk. I thought y'all would understand this. I thought y'all studied the Old Testament. Uh, he, he's doing everything that the Old Testament taught. How do y'all not understand that he's who he said he was? I'm confused. I thought out of anybody around me that would understand the Bible, y'all religious folk would. By the way, let me make that point real quickly. We ought to know something about the Bible. There's a lot of people that say that they're saved and know Jack Dilly squat about the Bible. That's why they have no assurance of their salvation because they've never taken time to read the Bible. I can, every time I find somebody that is doubting their salvation, I ask them two questions. First of all, let me know your testimony. Then secondly, when's the last time you read the Bible? You need to know something about the Bible because there are many lost people they, may, they don't know the Bible. They're, they'll quote verses to you here and there that are completely out of context most of the time, but they know it sometimes better than some Christians. That should not be the case. Look at verse 31. Now we, now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If... This man was not of God, he could do nothing. This young man has just been converted. His eyes has just been opened from darkness. He's already preaching. May I say that's the natural result of any child of God. You're going to be a witness. You're going to want to tell other people. You're going to want to preach. That doesn't mean you're going to be a preacher necessarily, but we all ought to be witnesses and ought to want to share the truth with other people. This man was already essentially preaching to him. He said, if he's not God, then how did he help me? How can I see if he's not God? They ought to have known that, but they didn't. They didn't want to, as we saw in verse number 18, they did not believe. They did not want to accept Jesus Christ for who he said he was. Look at verse number 34. We see he, took, he takes a stand, he preached a sermon. Then they answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? They cast him out. He takes his stand, he preaches a sermon, he's now thrown out of the synagogue. Here's why that's interesting. He's being persecuted because he's taken a stand. By the way, that is going to happen. You take a stand for Jesus, you're going to be persecuted. But count that as joy. We ought to be happy that we're being persecuted for Christ's sake. This man was, but he's cast out of the synagogue. But you know who's still in that synagogue? His parents. His parents were still in that synagogue thinking that if they didn't say anything, that maybe they could stay with their son. Maybe they could stay together as a family unit. But because they did not, he's now cast out. He can't come back and see them as long as they're in that synagogue. That's a sad commentary. Again, those parents. But look at verse, uh, yeah, verse 34. They cast him out. They got preached at by this healed man, so they, out of anger, cast him out of the synagogue. He's separated from his parents because they refused to share the truth. But we come to verse number 35, and the Bible says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Can I point this out real quickly? You may go through persecutions in this life. You may suffer righteous persecutions. You may go through trials and even temptations that you weren't even asking for. You didn't know how you were to go through. You didn't know how you were going to raise that son or raise that daughter or that grandchild. You didn't know how that was going to work out. Sometimes you get to the point that you feel all alone. Your family's forsaken you. They don't want nothing to do with you. Your friends don't want to have anything to do with you. This man is on the ground, cast out of the synagogue by himself. But then Jesus shows up. You see, Jesus had it taken his eyes off of him, not even once. You see, every time that one suffers righteous persecution, the Savior will always come to his need. The Savior will always come to your need if you suffer righteous persecution. 
when you're going through the darkest and deepest of valleys, when you feel like nobody cares, I'm thankful to know that tonight that we serve a God who we can cast all of our cares upon him, knowing that he cares for you and for me. I'm thankful that we have a God that knows when to show up at the right time, right when we need him. We may want him now. We may want him then, but he knows when to show up when we need him. This man needed the Savior, and the Savior, by the grace of God, shows up to this man, this healed man. Some folk are so afraid of being cast out that they know nothing of the comfort of being found in the Savior's arms. That's why so many people doubt, because they've never been in the strength in the arms. They don't know how sweet that is, that comfort that is, Brother Bill. They don't know because they've never stepped out in faith and tried to do something for God. This young man was just trying to do something for God. He was just trying to be a witness for Christ. He didn't understand it. He didn't really even know who Jesus was entirely. He didn't see his face. He didn't even know what he looked like. He disappeared. He calls him a man. He calls him a prophet. And now he's cast out. He's forsooken from his neighbors. He's forsooken by his uh, family. But thanks God, thanks be to God, God will never forsake one of his own. Jesus shows up and says, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Notice he had to answer a very important question. He had been healed miraculously, but that didn't save him necessarily. He had to still make a choice that every man or woman has to make. That is, they must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. This man answers in verse 36. He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? I'm all alone. I have nobody that cares for me, Lord. I'm out here on the dust of the ground. Whoever it is, I'll believe him. Just tell me where to look. Tell me where to point. Where do I need to go? I'll believe whoever it is. I want to accept him by faith. I want to know who he is. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the Bible says in verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. He's looking for the answer for his problems, and he doesn't know the answer to his problems literally right in front of him. He believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 38, he said, Lord, I believe. That's all it takes. So all it takes to get to heaven is just believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. May I ask you tonight, have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cruel cross of Calvary? Do you believe that Jesus went into a grave for three days and three nights only, but on that third and glorious day, he rose triumphantly? Do you believe that? If you don't, you're not going to heaven. You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm so thankful that offer is still available today. As long as there's breath in your body, you still have a chance. But I wouldn't hold your breath too long. Life is but a vapor. We've seen in recent days, car accident after car accident, people that have been in accident after accident, people that have taken their last breath unexpectedly. You do not know if you were to leave this place, if you were to get those shoes off of your feet. You do not know if you're ever going to put your head there on that pillow. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you put your faith in him? This man believed, but it also says that he worshiped him. That's natural. That's natural. When you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, it comes naturally to worship him. Because there's nothing worthy about yourself. There's nothing worthy about a man, but there is something worthy about that man. <laughs> he changed my life. He's changed your life. He's somebody we have to worship, but we have nothing to glory about tonight, but we have somebody that we can't glory about tonight. I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. We have somebody that we ought to say, hallelujah, glory to God. We ought
not to worship him. You want to know why uh, tonight that we do not have the joy of the Lord is because we do not know Christ. Our churches are so filled up with so many people that do not know Christ. But those of us that know Christ, Brother Bill, there ought to be a joy in our life. The people out there ought to know that there's something different, that there's something that has been changed in our life. I'm here tonight to say, do you know Christ? If you don't know Christ, he's still saying, come unto me. Come unto me, all ye that labor. You can still call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, but us that have already done so, those of us that know this one thing, that Jesus Christ is our Savior, we ought to worship Him. He's worthy. He's worthy of our praise. The Word of God gives certainty for eternity. Take the Word for what it says. Obey it. Follow it. Receive it. And you'll know you're going to heaven. There's no other way, no other religion. You must come by the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the light of this world. There are many people tonight that are blind in darkness that need to hear about this message. They need to meet this Savior. And it is our responsibility to get that message to them. But you see, if we're not worshiping him, if we're, we have no joy in our life, if we're not excited about it, if we're not trying to grow like this young man was, trying to take a stand, we'll never win them. We as the church must stand in this generation because we serve one who's so much higher. We must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and I hope you know him. I read this little poem earlier today and I thought it was a blessing that I'll share with you tonight as we close. It's titled, Healer of the Brokenhearted. Is your life full of heartaches and sadness? Are your dreams all shattered and torn? There is one who through mercy and suffering for, ever, for you every sorrow has borne. Do the threads of your life seem so tangled that you wish you had never been born? There is one who is willing to help you. He knows every sorrow you've borne. He's the healer of broken hearts. He'd mend your shattered dreams. He'll pick up the threads of your broken heart and weave them together again. To your soul, he'll bring peace and joy. A friend in need, he'll be the healer of your broken heart. He's, it's Jesus of Galilee. You may be broken tonight. You may not have that peace and joy. You, you may have that same attitude of, I wish I had never been born. But tonight, you can be born again. You can have a purpose in this life, but you must put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd ask if you would stand tonight. As Miss Marsha comes and to the piano, I'm going to ask you tonight, do you know this one thing? Do you know for sure that there was a time in your life that you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? If you know that, with all eyes closed and heads bowed, if you know that, will you please raise your hand? Not every hand in this building has went up. You may put it down. If you do not know that Jesus Christ is your Savior, you can tonight. I'll show you from the Bible that you can be saved. But also tonight, let me ask you this, Christian. Have you been doubting your salvation? Maybe we just need to be reminded where God brought us from. Do you remember where you were? Where, what your life was like. Maybe you were a drug head. Maybe you were an alcoholic. Maybe your life was at the lowest of the lowest it's ever been. You didn't know if you were going to make it another day. Maybe you thought of committing suicide. But Jesus showed up just in the nick of time. But yet, as the years have gone by, as the years have gone by, it's not as real to you as it used to be. Maybe you've began to doubt because of circumstances in this time that you're living in. Maybe you just need to get down on this altar tonight. I'd encourage you just to maybe thank the Lord for saving your soul. Uh, maybe just to uh, confirm in your heart that God, I'm not going to doubt you again. I believe you did that in my heart. I'd encourage you to come at this time. And if you don't know Christ, let me show you from the Bible how you can. Let me show you from the Bible how you can know Christ as your Savior. 
how you can know that you're going to heaven. Oh, this life has no purpose without the Lord Jesus Christ. You can make all the money you want that will burn up. You can build the nicest of houses, it'll burn up one day. But if you have received this word, then you will go to a place through all of eternity. But you must accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe tonight, there are some of you that have accepted Christ, but you're not taking a stand like this young man. Why? We're living in a time that there are many that are perishing in our friends, in our family. Why aren't we taking a stand? Maybe tonight you need to come down to the altar and say, I'm going to take a stand if nobody else will. Oh, I'd encourage you to come. Oh, come to the Savior. Maybe you just need to come down to Him. Maybe you're like this man, you've been cast out, your friends don't like you anymore, they don't want to hang out with you anymore, your family thinks you're just some religious fanatic. You're about to give up. You're about to try to leave. You're saying, I'm done with this. I'm tired of trying to mess with this Christianity thing. But Jesus can show up in the right time. Maybe you just need to say, Lord, I'll worship you. I'll worship you. Oh, come to the Savior tonight, I ask. Oh, come to him, I ask. Get things right with God tonight. I don't think God put this message on my heart for no reason. Somebody out there tonight's in trouble. Somebody tonight is out in trouble. Get that right with God tonight. Oh, thank God. This one thing I know, this one thing I know, Jesus can change your life. You've been listening to the Students of the Bible broadcast with Brother Kevin Keeter. Tune in with us next time at this same time as we continue to study the Bible. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Students of the Bible Broadcasting.